seated. Jesus moves from Nazareth to Capernaum on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee as soon as he hears that his cousin John the Baptist has been imprisoned. And we know the story, he does not leave prison alive. It's a dark time for Jesus. And so he moves into the region called the Galilee of the Gentiles or the Galilee of the nations because that's an area where there are lots of other nationalities besides Jews residing who after the Babylonian captivity and after the captivity that's kind of a mixed area. And Matthew, who is uh, Jewish, of course, and writing to a Jewish audience primarily, wants them to understand that in doing so, Jesus has fulfilled part of the prophecy of Isaiah. In fact, all the way through Matthew, we see him highlighting for his Jewish audience, for his Jewish readership, those prophecies that have been fulfilled in Jesus. And that's why we have the Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah uh, with the names of this place, the ancient names of Galilee of the Gentiles, Zebulun and Nath. Because Isaiah has prophesied that out of this region, light will extend into the darkness. And Jesus is the light into that darkness. The time is dark indeed, and it's time for Jesus to begin his light-bearing ministry. And this he begins by calling people to repentance for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, we tend to think about repentance in a purely moralistic way. We think about uh, saying sorry for the things we've done that we shouldn't have done or the things that we didn't do that we should have done. But Jesus, this word here that Jesus is using, has a much deeper meaning than that. Repentance here means turn around, you're going the wrong way. To turn in another direction because the direction that we're going in is the wrong way. And so he's telling Israel, God's people, you're going the wrong way. You're going into darkness instead of going into light. The works that you are doing are complicit with the spirit of darkness that is in the world. You are not going in the direction of light. N.T. Wright puts it this way, If the light bearers insist on darkness, darkness they shall have. If the peace people insist on war, war they shall have. If the people called to bring God's love and forgiveness into the world insist on hating everyone else, hatred and all that it brings will come crashing around their ears. This won't be an arbitrary judgment or punishment. It will be what they 
they themselves have been calling for. This is why they must repent while there's still time. The kingdom is coming and they are standing in the way. It's like that GPS system in your car. You're going the wrong way. Jesus is that megaphone voice. You're going in the wrong direction. You're going towards the kingdom of darkness, but light has shined, and that's the kingdom of heaven. The right direction is the kingdom of heaven way. Now, Matthew, again, uses heaven instead of God. The other evangelists talk about the kingdom of God. Because of his susceptibilities as a good Jew, Matthew uses heaven to mean God so that he doesn't actually have to uh, say the holy name of Yahweh. But for Matthew, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are exactly the same thing. And it's not a geographical, a physical location. It is God's reign. It's his rule. It's active, not a place, but a way of being. It's God bringing God's life to bear into the darkness. It's a different way of being human. That's what's breaking in. It's a way that reflects God's character and his ways. It's in actual fact a return to humanity's original design. Remember, at the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, this wonderful prose and poetry about God breathing existence into life, about his word alone bringing all things into being, the night sky, the stars, the sun, the moon, the planets in their courses, uh, the one, this wonderful earth, the, the living things, the creatures, the sea, the glories that he has created. And the more we get to explore, the more intricate this amazing creative design is that we see in the world. The intricacies of human birth, creation, and human birth that he has put into place. Uh, the way kingfishers have to flap their wings at a certain speed to stay where they are, the length of their uh, snout so that they can take up enough calories so that they don't die from the energy that is expended in, in flapping their wings. How amazing is the creation? And that at the end of that description, God creates man and woman, the apogee of all that he has created and he places his own image into man and woman. We are the divine image bearers. We were created that way. We were created to be the stewards of God's creation because he placed his image in us so that we would be the God-bearing image bearers into a world and good stewards of all that he had created. But what happened was that our divine image bearing got broken. 
got broken and marred. And so we were no longer able to be God's image bearers. We reflected not God into the world, but fallen humanity into the world. But Jesus comes to redeem and restore that original creation in us. To bring back within us the divine image, restored, renewed. And he alone can do this because his divine image in his own humanity is not marred. It has not fallen. It is not subject to sin because he himself is the one who first breathed creation into being. He is not just the exact representation of God. He is God and he is Man, And so he begins this light-bearing ministry into the world. The kingdom of heaven resides in Jesus. The kingdom of God, God's ways, God's reign, his way of being is fully within Jesus because he is God and yet fully human. And he's come so that the broken image within each and every one of his creatures is made new through his death, resurrection, and ascension, through the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does this work in our lives of renewing the divine image in us so that we can be image bearers, light bearers into a dark world. To do this, He needs to find followers. And so where does he go? Does he go to theological college? Does he go to where the rabbis are being taught? Does he go into the temple? No. He goes to simple fisher folk. Ordinary, very ordinary, simple people. Walking along the Sea of Galilee, along the shoreline, he comes upon Simon Peter and Andrew who are fishing. Upon James and John in their father's boat mending the nets. Can you see the scene? Hear the water lapping at the shoreline. Feel the sand under your feet. Smell the salt air and the conversation going on amongst these ordinary, simple folk. And Jesus says, follow me. What must they have heard in that invitation? What did they already know? But that they would hear in that a new way of life. And immediately respond and follow Jesus into a completely new vocation. Because he says to them, from now on, you will be fishers of men. No longer will you be fishing for fish, although they do continue that a little bit as we see later on in the Gospels. 
but he's changed their vocation. They will be fishers of men. I've done very little fishing in my time. One time in the south of France, somebody told me that you catch trout by putting your hand in the water, finding these flat rocks, and actually waiting until a trout kind of comes past your fingers and go like that on the underside of the rock and then pull it out. Um, Didn't work for me. But there are a myriad ways of fishing. The Galilean fishermen had those nets that they would throw out and then just gather in. But um, it was never sure that they were going to get a catch. Even though they knew those waters like the back of their hand, they knew them really well. Sometimes they would be fishing all day and not catch anything. Some people fish with a rod standing on the bank. Some people fish standing in a river, fly fishing. Some people go deep sea fishing. The one thing about all kinds of fishing is that it requires an incredible amount of patience. You sit for hours. It needs patience. And that's Jesus' model, when you fish for people. You don't throw a grenade into the water and then gather up the fish. They're useless at that point in time. Neither do you knock people senseless with the gospel and say you fished for people to follow Jesus. Brennan Manning puts it, conversion by concussion. We don't concuss people into the kingdom. We invite them into the kingdom. And sometimes it takes a lot of patience. And it takes a lot of time. And we don't always know the pools or the places to go. But Jesus does. And if we listen to him... He can tell us where the best fishing grounds are, where the fish are likely to be caught, where we're able to invite them to follow the call of the true light bearer in the world. So... Let me say a word of encouragement. If there's a friend or a family member who does not yet know the Lord, be patient, be consistent, keep fishing, and pray to the Lord of the harvest as to the times, the seasons, and the places to do your fishing. Because Jesus wants all of his children to come to the knowledge of him. But you see, it's not enough just to bring somebody to Jesus 
have them say the sinner's prayer and done and dusted. We're over with it. All right, you've said you, Jesus is Lord. That's it now. You're on your own. We've kind of stepped over the boundary here. And we say, okay, I believe in Jesus. I'm now saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. That's it. Let me go on my life. No, Jesus talks about transformation. He talks about a continuing, ongoing journey. This life as a Christian does not end when we say we believe in Jesus. He calls us on a pilgrimage, on a journey that continues and continues. And hopefully it continues with our deeper and deeper transformation into the divine image-bearing light-bearer that we were first created to be, so that more and more the work of the Holy Spirit repairs that divine image in us so that we are indeed the light-bearers and the broken image in us gets smaller and smaller. The fullness of our image-bearing personality will be when we pass through the veil and we are fully in the Lord's presence. But remember, that's not the end. There's life after life after death. So heaven is not our final destination. A redeemed heaven and a redeemed earth together where God dwells is our final destination. And so what we do now, we will continue to do but fully fully made new to be light bearers and stewards and divine image bearers, God's image bearers into a new world. But we are to be that light image bearer now into the darkness. Small pinpricks of light will eventually overcome the darkness. Don't be dismayed if you look out and see darkness. Do not be dismayed about anything. God is still sovereign. He will use everybody. He will bring about what he has promised. And he will use us to do so. And the way he sees, he says, that we are being transformed that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next, his glory that is in us as divine image bearers. He sees that by the fruit of our lives. The fruit that we bear shows forth the transformation that is going on, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And anybody who's seen um, how fruit trees are or any kind of trees are, they need pruning, they need fertilizing, they need water, and they need sunshine. So too does our spiritual life. We need to... Be a people who are nurturing our spiritual lives. Because it's only by nurturing our spiritual lives that we give full reign to the Holy Spirit within us to do his work of transformation. And those spiritual disciplines, the work, include 
prayer, meditation, fasting, Bible study, worship. But there are other things as well that go into nurturing our spiritual lives. But that's the work that we're called to. We can never just rest on our laurels and say, I've been redeemed, I've been saved, and that's it. No, this journey is an ongoing one because Jesus came to call us also to be fishers of men, but not just to reel them in and let them on the shoreline but to stand alongside them and to nurture them in the faith. Like those simple fishermen, may we be those ordinary, called people who are committed to being pruned, fertilized, and watered by the spiritual disciplines so that God's Holy Spirit that dwells in us can continue his ongoing work of transformation. And as our divine image-bearing humanity replaces our fallen, broken image humanity, so God's kingdom of light will spread into a dark world. And as the gospel is shared, so too will Christ's ministry of healing. It's just a small sentence at the end of our gospel passage. And he went throughout the region preaching the gospel and healing every sickness and every disease. Not some, not a few, not maybe, but every sickness and every disease. Because the greater the image of God is within each of us to shed light into the darkness rather than being complicit with the works of darkness, so too his power, his kingdom power, is released into the world. So may we, just ordinary, simple folk, follow the master to a new vocation and a new divine image light-bearing humanity. Amen.